Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an SB Nation blog covering the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am Will Chase, joined today by Pale Dragon. What's up, PD? How's it going? It's going well, watching some preseason football, so it's it's that time of year. Yeah, it is Sunday. We are recording on Sunday. I saw they were tied at 7, right? Is that still the score? It is, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 Bra- the Browns' second and third strings playing the Giants, so... <laughs> How do you feel so far about the team? Uh, a game, or what are they? One game plus into preseason, right? Yeah, they're uh, they're taking it very slowly in camp and preseason. They're you know not trying to push their starters too much, so it's hard to draw too many conclusions at this point. But by all accounts, it sounds like you know they're expected to be very good, which is not something I'm used to as a Browns fan. So. Uh, I don't know how to feel about that. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, fun slash scary territory, I guess, because you have expectations now. It's not just a fun football season. Like, it could be fun, but you want it to be beyond just the normal feeling. So I, I get that. The expectations are there. They're real. Last year was fun because I just I wanted the team to be competent. I didn't expect them to be good, and then they ended up being good, and that was great. Um, but now there are people... Yep. Everyone around the country expects them to be good, and, and I much prefer when they uh, they go under the radar like that. So <laughs> it's too much pressure. Yeah. As we segue into hockey, it's sort of the opposite for the Blue Jackets. As we got used to a bar raising, and now it's kind of a reset. But now it's exactly. like we don't expect maybe the wins right away, but we have our own. We want to see progression. We want to see guys start to uh, take the next step and. We'll get into the latest few guys to sign their entry-level deals. So I believe, I was looking at videos today trying to make sure I had the name right. I believe it is pronounced Ula Julian Bjorvik Ohm. Now, the, the thing is, I realized on the videos that I watched, they didn't have the Julian or the Ulian part, just the Ula Bjorvik Ohm. So mm-hmm. I don't really know. But anyway, he signed in Cole Sillinger, who was recently just drafted, has already signed his ELC. So very exciting Another week with more guys getting inked 
to these the these entry level contracts and just more guys to get in the training camp and see what they've got, see what the Blue Jackets have going forward. And you know, I'll let you start with Bjorvik, but uh, even like a guy like Cole Sillinger sounds like he's ready to go now. First of all, yeah, Bjorkvik Holm has a tremendous name. Whether or not it includes the the middle name, it's a, a great name. And yeah, I I feel like the Jackets are being a little more active in signing drafted players to ELCs this summer than they have been in past years. Um, I don't know if it's just because they have the space on the roster. You know, you can sign up to 50 guys to NHL contracts. Um, so they have the room, so they're just going ahead and, and inking guys now, even ones that aren't expected to play in Columbus or Cleveland next year, but they're still getting signed now, which they can do. And there's a lot of things there we don't have to get into. But yeah, it's it's exciting. You know, I feel like if you looked at the depth chart in the organization a year ago at this time, there wasn't a lot there on the blue line. There was, you know, the, the players that we had in the NHL level that we felt good about. But in the pipeline, not a lot, you know, and then they, they went heavy on defense last October in the draft. And then again, this year in the draft. And so you've already seen the summer that they've signed Samuel Nasco, Stanislav Svozil, and now Ole Bjorkvik-Holm. And so these are three guys that, and it says to me that they feel like these guys are on the right track because again, you know, not everyone that gets drafted necessarily gets signed. You know, it depends on, you know, the team drafts them and they watch them and then they sign them. And generally, yeah, it's a year or two out that the Jackets make these deals. They sp- they sign Svozil right away. We talked about that before. And now here, just a, a year out, they liked what they've seen from NASCO and Bjorkvik Holm. And so they're, they've got these guys on ELCs. And so that suggests to me that they're going to be at least in Cleveland sooner rather than later. Um, Bjorkvik Holm, to talk about him specifically, uh, he did play in Cleveland this past season. Uh, before that, he had already come over to North America. He played in the OHL. So I think that's always a good sign with his European prospects where they, they come over, they play juniors over here, so they get used to the size of the ice, the style of play, that sort of thing, get, get more on the scouts' radar, especially you know when you're, when you're like him, you're from Norway, which, you know, is not a huge hockey country. So this is a way to get noticed. Um, now, obviously, the OHL didn't have a season, so he played a little bit in the fall back in Norway. And then, because they allowed then these Canadian junior players who didn't have a season to go ahead and play in the AHL if they were drafted, so he got to, on a tryout contract, got to play in Cleveland, and by all counts held his own, which says a lot for you know an 18-year-old uh, playing, playing against adults. Now, because he only played 16 games in the AHL, it sounds like he will not be able to get an exemption to play in Cleveland again this year. So he'll have to go back to uh, Mississauga of the OHL, um, which is fine. You know, I, I think he, that can still be a valuable learning experience for him. And then, you know, as soon as their season is done, then he might be able to rejoin the Monsters for a few weeks at the end of their season and into the playoffs to make the playoffs. And, and that will be a great, great bit of experience for him. You know, he'll be able to come into camp with the Blue Jackets. Probably, you know, not going to make the team, obviously, but at the very least, he gets to work out with these NHLers and work with the NHL coaches. And it's just, you know, a lot of great opportunities present themselves for him now that he's signed and, and did it for all these other guys. So, and now it seems like, okay, our pipeline is a lot more filled with 
defenseman with some NHL upside, uh, which is very exciting. And there's almost too many, <laughs> which is a nice problem to have because the, the, we, they can only get caught up when they're absolutely ready. If we end up having too many, then that could be valuable in trades to fill in other positions as need be. So uh, that's a great, great position to be in. Sillinger getting signed. There's a lot of interesting angles here. You know, he's a guy who, again, is going to get to come to camp. I know Aaron Porcelain has been suggesting that, you know, hey, there's a chance that he could make the team. I, I don't know. I feel like that might be a stretch. I don't know that a lot of the pre-draft analysis thought that he was NHL ready yet, but he's going to get a shot. Uh, he's going to get to play. Also interesting, uh, Porcelain reported this week that that Cleveland is an option for Sillinger, which I did not expect was going to be the case because he had played in the WHL previously. Now he played in the USHL last year because the WHL didn't have a season or had a very brief season. So, and apparently because he was drafted out of the USHL, that he would be able to go to the AHL this year, which I didn't think was going to be the case because he had played in the WHL. Medicine Hat still holds his rights for juniors. Uh, so we'll see how what happens with him, but I think it gives the the Jackets and Cylinder options coming into the season for whether it's the WHL, the AHL, or the NHL. Which place is the best for him for his development? Um, it sounds like there's a lot of parts of his game that are NHL ready. He's got good hockey sense. He's physical. He's big. He's got a great shot. Uh, sounds like his skating though is something that needs some work. Yeah. So, you know, you send him back to Medicine Hat, and I think it's a case where he would be probably dominating that competition, um, both because he had a full season last year that he played, that he's got all that skill set, and that could be a good thing. You know, he'd be getting top line minutes. He could be a key player for the team. Um, he could really build up his confidence to do that. In the AHL, he could still be getting top minutes, um, but he'd be playing against adults, and he'd be adjusting to the pro game that way, and then could maybe get called up to Columbus, you know, depending on his development, depending on the team needs, that sort of thing. The big thing, I just, I am really afraid of rushing him. Don't bring him up too soon. I don't think that that helps anything. I, and it is so critical for the team's plan that Johnson and Sillinger pan out. And I don't want to do anything that could jeopardize that if you bring him up too soon or throw him into a situation that he's not fully ready for. So, you know, give him the opportunity, give him the chance, but put him at the level where he deserves to be with his level of play as it is currently. Going back to Ulm real fast, what you mentioned about him playing some games in Cleveland last year, it was kind of, you know, with COVID and everything in general, we talk about how, that alters obviously a lot of things, but in this case, it might have benefited a guy like that to be able to play some games in Cleveland. So very interesting there. And then also with Sillinger, like you mentioned, the skating. I saw in the same article from Portsline that uh, I guess there were some scouts or people that might have thought that a guy like Sillinger could start out in the league as a wing as he tries to improve his two-way game so I'm also very curious to see how Sillinger does in camp next month because you know he was he had these quotes in that article saying that you know basically I feel like I'm physically mature enough to be there mentally I really like where I'm at it's just a matter of adjusting adapting to the pro level game um so 
I am curious to see how he does. And like you said, you don't want to you don't want to rush him. He sounds confident, but let's see how he does in camp and even preseason games. And the rest will sort itself out there. So uh, and I like his uh, his attitude, but we got to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, so he has to back it up, back up his his talk with his game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, and, and one final note on Bjork Vikholm. Uh Earlier this summer, Jeff Svoboda wrote about him and said that one of his coaches on the Norwegian national team is Ola Christian Tolfsen, who played for the Jackets for four years in the uh, in the mid two thousands. So that's a uh, that's a pretty cool connection there. Uh, but but fellow countryman and a fellow Blue Jacket now. You know, I saw that name earlier when I was watching some videos. I put in uh, looking for Ulm and Tolfsen was popping up. I think because of the name being sort of yeah. similar. But uh, yeah, that is a cool connection. I remember him. After Jody Shelley, Tolleson seemed to be the guy to kind of get into the the scrappy stuff a little bit. And yeah. It was a fun name, a guy I yeah. liked rooting for as well. So absolutely, we'll shift over to the uh, top twenty five under twenty five. But anyway, I'm going to start with a guy that I had sometime in the last week. It's hard to remember dates at this point. But uh, <laughs> Gabriel Carlson, I I don't know if you would agree with this, but I kind of feel like Carlson's a guy that obviously we've seen his name. For a while now, kind of up and down. To me, he kind of feels like the 4A baseball player who yeah. might be good enough in the minor leagues but doesn't stick to the NHL level. When you think of Carlson, we may, I think we may have talk, touched on him in the past, but with Carlson, uh, what do you think of him? Uh, does it, Do you think he's had a fair shake, or has it really worked out because of all the guys that kind of are above, were above him on the depth chart in the past? Yeah, I think it. you're right that he's been blocked a lot in terms of getting up to the NHL. Um, but I also feel like when he's gotten a shot at the NHL level that he hasn't, he hasn't done a lot to impress me. Um, it's not like you see him and think like, Oh yeah, this guy's definitely an NHL or he should hold on to this spot. Um, you know, maybe there's some guys that he should have been playing over. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, he is what he is and what he is, isn't really anything special. And with the guys coming up behind him, um, you know, I think this is going to be his last year in the organization. He'll be he'll be somewhere else at this time next year. That's nothing against him personally. I mean, I think he's worked really hard. Um, and there were some injury setbacks along the way, but I just think the the upside isn't there. Um, you know, I think he got drafted as kind of a big body stay at home defenseman, but the game has changed enough. And uh, I think it was Dale that that made this point that you know you need guys that can move the puck and can skate well. And, and that is the profile that a defenseman that, that have been drafted in recent years by the blue jackets. And Carlson is just kind of a, an outdated model. Yeah, definitely. And then Josh Dunn was the second guy after Carlson that we kind of covered. How do you profile a guy like Josh Dunn for you? You know, he's a guy that was a, you know, they signed him as a free agent right after his college season ended and I didn't really think much of it at the time, but then, you know, he got, he got called up and got to play in a few games with the jackets and, uh, you know, he impressed me. Uh, I liked a lot of what I saw from him. Again, this is not a, a budding superstar by any means, but as a, as a bottom six forward, you know, you need some guys that are going to be those role player types. And, um, you know, he's got, he's got good size. He can play the physical game. He can play center. Um, you know, if he could be a, maybe like a Mark Letestu type. I see that maybe as his, as his upside, uh, and which can be very useful. So 
Um, I think that was a really nice pickup by the Jackets, kind of an under-the-radar thing. You know, obviously a guy that was a, a bit of a late bloomer to have not been drafted during his time in college. But yeah, I, I'm curious to see what he does now with the, with the full pro season under his belt. Trey Fix Walansky was the next guy. He is looking to rebound from, uh, you covered him. He's coming back off the ACL injury. So how do you, how do you view him? Yeah, so I was very happy to write about him. Obviously, as someone who's small of stature, uh, I like seeing the short guys do well. This is a guy that has uh, shown scoring touch at every level. Yeah, the the ACL injury is unfortunate because he was playing at a point-per-game pace in Cleveland before his season was ended by that. Um, So hopefully that doesn't set him back too much this year that he'll be uh, able to be fully recovered for um, the start of the season. So I think he's going to spend most of the season in Cleveland, but I, I hope he gets a you know at least a brief call up to Columbus just to see what he can do at the NHL level. You know, I made a very superficial comparison to Cam Atkinson, perhaps who's also uh, undersized like that, but with some scoring touch. I think uh, I, I think Fisk Walensky maybe has a bit more sandpaper to his game, which I think could make him a better fit in a bottom six role. I, I don't think he has the upside of Cam Atkinson to be the, oh, here's the guy that can put up 30 or 40 goals in a season. But if you look at like the early part of Atkinson's career where he was this middle six winger and was, you know, you can count him for 20 to 25 goals a year. You know, I think it'd be, it'd be great to see that from Fisklands, especially if he's playing a bottom six role, but is able to somehow put up 20 goals and be chipping on the power play, things like that. Uh, that would be, that'd be really, uh, that'd be a great outcome, especially for a, a late round pick like that. That's, you know, it's a scratch off lottery ticket. You don't know what you're going to get out of a player like that. But I I like what I've seen from his development so far. You know, he has leadership skills. He was the captain in his final year uh, with Edmonton and the WHL, um, put up a hundred points, over a hundred points that season, which is still very impressive at that level. So there's a lot to like about, about this guy. So I'm going to continue rooting for him. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, Tyler Engel is another guy who 
impressed last year, putting up points in Cleveland. I believe he led the team down there in points. So he is another guy that maybe you would have your eye on. So how do you feel about Tyler Engel as he gets in the camp going forward and his his prospects? Yeah, he's a guy who is definitely he's rising quickly in terms of his position in the organization and in terms of, I think, perception of him. Uh, I feel like he was a bit under the radar in the draft. And then he put up great numbers in his last season in the OHL. And even then, I feel like he still wasn't getting a lot of credit from people who write about prospects. You know, despite his numbers, they weren't raving about him the way they raved about other people with maybe similar stats. And then this year was his first chance to, to play in Cleveland. And, you know, his scoring pace continued here as he went up to a higher level. And, and you love to see that because you would expect, even with a good player, that there's going to be a little bit of a drop down as they adjust to the new level, but that didn't happen with him. Um, and that's great. That That's super encouraging. So again, I don't know what the time frame is for him to reach the NHL, but he made a good adjustment to the AHL and I'd like to see him continue to build on that. Um, I think there's a lot of upside with that guy as well. Dmitry Voronkov is another one making waves over in Russia. Uh, he might be a few years away from, making an appearance for Columbus, but uh, yeah, he's been putting up points and he's had some leadership opportunities and wearing the A and the C. So yeah, Voronkov, it looks like uh, another exciting player to look for. I like this player a lot. On my own list, personally, I had him ranked as number 10 uh, among the top 25 under 25. I think there's really, really high upside with him. You know, he's been putting up good numbers in... Uh, in the KHL, and here he's still only, what, 20 years old at this point? Man, he's, uh, I, I think he could be really special. He strikes me as a power forward type, one of these guys that's really big, really physical. So like Kirill Marchenko, who's going to be coming up on the list as well, uh, is, I think, a better scorer than Voronkov, but Voronkov strikes me as he could have this, the 200-foot game and be be kind of the, uh, like a Josh Anderson Type. But again, not with scoring touch, but uh, in terms of what he can do on the four check and things like that, as well as being able to to chip in some points here and there. I think I just saw today, I was on Twitter and saw that his team's latest game, he put up a goal and an assist. So uh, his starter is rising very quickly um, in the KHL. He, he's seen as a leader on that team already, which is a great sign. So yeah, the earliest he can come over here is um, the fall of 2023, but I think he's going to be worth the wait. Yeah, he'll be uh, 22 on September 10th, so still very young. And uh, yeah, Corson Kulamans will be playing this upcoming season at the University of Wisconsin. But uh, what do you feel about Kulamans? Yeah, you know, I, I was hoping that the Jackets would get a defenseman with one of their first round picks, and they did that with him. Um, he wasn't necessarily the the favorite defenseman I had in the draft. And looking at the at the previews but i think there's a lot to like about him he's a big kid he's a right hand shot which are that's very valuable to have you know i think it's going to be several years away for him making it to the nhl but um you know he's going to wisconsin it's a great program there we've got some great coaches i'm excited to you know see him play in the big 10 so that means that he's going to come through columbus once a year at least and uh so both with him and then with, you know, Kent Johnson at Michigan. So when Wisconsin or Michigan come to town to play Ohio State, I'm looking forward to those games, to attending those games. I'm sure other Jackets fans are in that boat as well. So, yeah, definitely support 
support the Buckeyes and get a chance to watch them play against some Jackets prospects. Yeah, then Andrew Peak, he just signed recently, but this is kind of, I think, a chance for him to, you know, hopefully for him be able to make a case to stick up on the big league team this upcoming season. Yeah, yeah, we talked about him a, a few weeks ago, and and I think he definitely deserves... I think this spot on the list is fair for him. Um, I think he's should be able to contribute to the team this year. Now, I think there are other guys that we've acquired who have passed him by in terms of upside. Mm-hmm. And so someone like Kulamans or guys like Boquist and Bean who are going to show up higher on the list, I think deserve to be higher than Peak on the list. But I think he has a chance this year to make an impact, and I hope he seizes that opportunity. That is so far the top 25 under 25 list that we have covered with more guys to come. Looking at the list, really exciting names popping up. You already mentioned Kirill, and uh, I'll have Liam Foody this upcoming week. So lots of uh, fun guys. Uh, Cole Sullinger is another guy that we'll dive more into. So keep looking out for that list. I wanted to just mention this real fast. I thought this was cool. Uh, it was a nice tribute. I saw where Latvia, of course, paid respects to Matisse Kivlenix before an exhibition game against Norway. I believe it was the Hockey Hounds. I tweeted that yesterday, so I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that that, that was very cool. Um, to see, and they're going to be wearing a patch on their jerseys here as they go into Olympic qualifying. And I hope at some point here soon we'll find out about what the Jackets' plans are for paying tribute to him during the season. Hopefully. I, I would have to expect there's going to be some kind of patch or helmet sticker at the very least and, you know, a tribute on opening night and that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, also, our last topic. So I did a bit of a Q&A with Kelly Hinkle from Broad Street Hockey on the Cam Atkinson for Jake Voracek trade and very interesting insight coming out of that article you know for instance it feels like a win-win on paper just because it seems Mm -hmm. like maybe from our end it seems like a win-win on paper in terms of what Voracek might provide for Columbus and what Atkinson can in turn bring for Philadelphia it sounds uh, like from Philly's perspective it sounded like from the Philadelphia fan base that maybe they were ready for a shake-up or a chemistry change or something along those lines just like on the Columbus side not that you want to replace an Atkinson necessarily as far as what he brings in the locker room but maybe things are a little stale as well on the Columbus side so it just seems like the right shakeup for both teams where in terms for Columbus we're looking at a guy like Voracek who might bring that point total or get guys like Line A hopefully uh, going or get that chemistry going so do you feel more excited maybe about what Voracek is bringing? I know it's tough to replace a guy like mm-hmm. Atkinson on and off the ice, but looking ahead in terms of Voracek for Columbus, how are you feeling about that aspect? Yeah. I, now that I've had a little bit more distance from the trade, I, I can start to feel more excited about the acquisition of Voracek. You know, I still don't like the idea of losing Cam, and to see like how well he's embracing Philadelphia and how well Philadelphia is embracing him, it's kind of hard to watch. You know, it's like your ex posting pictures on Facebook and that sort of thing. But uh, but getting Voracek back is there's a lot to be excited about there. For one thing, it's cool just the connection of hey, this is a guy that we drafted and who started his career here, and 
we're bringing him back. That's cool. And then he's still a very, very good player. And he's good in ways that help this team and which fill a void for this team. Like you said, we don't have a lot of playmakers. And Voracek is a playmaker. Uh, one thing that stood out to me that Kelly said is she pointed out how you know he's been a consistent like 60-point guy there in recent years. But she's like, well... Given who, what Columbus has, like Line, he could, you know, he could put up eighty in Columbus. You know, he could have a bounce back here, and which would be, and I agree with her, and I think that'd be fantastic. But I'm also thinking, if he puts up sixty points, that's still really good for Columbus, based on how little offense we've seen the last two seasons. So, um, you know, even Vorchek at his average level uh, is a huge addition for us. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited to see how his passing ability meshes with guys like line a with other shoot first players on the team um what he might be able to bring to the power play you know as, along with also like a guy like adam boquist who would be new to the power play as well you know and then i think his just as a as another veteran presence you know you have him and nyquist as being guys who are uh you know longtime veterans in the league that have bounced around a couple teams been on playoff runs with other teams and know what it takes, you know, add that to obviously Boone Jenner, who's been around for a long time at this point, then Sean Corrali with his deep runs with Boston. Um, and so that's a nice, that's a nice mix of players as the team is still very young and has a lot of new guys that are coming in and getting adjusted to the league. I think Voracek can, can take them under his wing. And it's, it's weird to me though, that Philadelphia seemed to sour on him so much because it's not like his play has really declined and i don't think that he was a malcontent in the locker room by any means and they they feel like atkinson will provide some leadership there but meanwhile here we feel like maybe atkinson and that leadership group were part of the problem or that gotten stale i don't know that that that's so that's kind of weird uh, but again, I think, like you said, this can absolutely be a win-win trade. I think maybe both guys can benefit from a change of scenery. They both fill roles in their new teams that those teams needed. Uh, and you know what? I'm, yeah. I'm totally fine with it. Obviously, you know, I wish nothing but the best for Cam. And I like the idea of trades that benefit both sides, you know? That, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be one team screwing over the other one or, oh, man, it really ripped him off. Like, no, it's like it's OK. I think it's for the best if, if both teams get something something good out of it. You know, um, you know, I, th- I think we, we could see a similar thing with uh, Chicago. I, I talked about this. Uh, I did a Q&A with Second City Hockey about Seth Jones. And, and I talked about how I think, at least in the short term, that he can really help them out. And then I was jumping in the comments on the post and said, yeah, I, I feel like. I would grade this grade that trade well for both teams. Like for from the Columbus side, I feel very good about the return that we got in the trade. And I think Chicago fans are starting to come around in the ways that Jones can help them, especially in the short term. Um, so those kind of those kind of trades are are a good thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. The the part about Voracek and the sixty <laughs> points, I was like, after last season, <laughs> yeah. oh, I'll take it. sixty. <laughs> if him and Line A can 
help the other you know that could be a, a great combo hopefully so it could be very exciting could see some fireworks that we maybe haven't seen since a guy like Panarin was there for instance and and the sense that you have a great offensive duo or some kind of consistency at least exactly and as as i said earlier when saying that it's so important for the rebuild that johnson and sillinger pan out i think it's also very important for the plan and the rebuild for this team that line has a bounce back season this year i think that's hugely first of all for what he's making on this one-year deal uh you know he needs to put up more points than he did last year and then just in terms of I, if he if he doesn't want to stay here long term, the better he plays in the first half of the season means that we can get more in return from him either at the deadline or next summer. Yep. And if he does want to stay here, then I want to see him put up points that shows that he's worth a a long term contract for someone that will be getting paid like a perennial thirty goal scorer that kind of thing. You know, so I, I, I either he gets us a good trade return or he becomes a good player for us as part of the rebuild and is good for us for years. Uh, either way, I think that starts this year with a bounce back year and someone like Voracek feeding him the puck in a way that can get him scoring again, get his confidence up. Cause I think his, I think Lionel's confidence just got shattered last year, whether it was from, you know, just yep. poor shooting luck or the benchings or just having to adjust to a new city and a new team under very difficult circumstances you know, there's just a lot. There's just a lot there. Um, so, so him bouncing back is is huge for this team. Yeah, I agree. And you know, Larson has already said we're going to utilize Line A the way basically he should be mm-hmm. utilized, yeah. and he's already been on the record of saying, "Yeah, I wasn't used the way I would have liked to have been used." Right. So, hopefully, he comes into this new season with a renewed sense of urgency, or you know, a renewed enthusiasm as we get things started. Another thing with Atkinson and Voracek, another potential aspect of that win-win could be the fact that she mentioned that Philly needs guys like Cam who can who can finish, that can score, just like we need playmakers in Voracek to help create things offensively. So, yeah, uh, feels like a good trade. Was, uh, at least right now, it looks like Yarmo may have... Uh, you know, it was a tough trade to lose a guy like Atkinson, but bringing in what they were able to so, yeah. in Voracek. So... Uh, I'm very excited to see hopefully some fireworks on the ice offensively coming out of those these lines and whatever the lines will look like. So, did you have any final thoughts that you wanted to to share? Yeah, or? I wanted to to two shout outs. Uh, one, uh, Elvis Merzlikens, his his wife Alexander gave birth this weekend to uh, to their first child. So, congratulations to them. Obviously, it's been a uh, very emotional summer for them, and this is a. Uh, you know, at least one bright spot to that. So congratulations to them. And hopefully this will be a nice little motivating factor for him coming into the season. Uh, And then also shout out to the uh, Bally Sports Ohio team. They won a regional Emmy for the game broadcast for the Blue Jackets. So it was nice to see them get uh, well-deserved credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Not to spoil anything, we'll have a special guest next week. Looking forward to that. It's always fun to have a guest on, so stay tuned for that. And that's going to do it for us this week. Be sure to check us out at CBJ Cannon on Twitter and Facebook, at JacketsCannon.com for more content, top 25 under 25, and all the other articles going up. And we will see you all next week.
Subscribe to the Canon Cast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you can catch every episode. Leave us a review and a rating, and as always, we welcome your thoughts and feedback. Go to jacketscanon.com for more Blue Jackets coverage from us, and follow us on Twitter at cbjcanon. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howling Moons. Check out angelaperley.com for more music and show dates.